Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. No political party likes to walk things back that they proposed. And boy, the gun control legislation, it's been revised, amended, whatever kind of a word you want to use. But there was a lot of anger out there. Even just days ago, the prime minister facing questions about rifles and what they were trying to do. What does it look like and what it's left behind and what is left behind politically as well? We are joined by Wendy Cookier, who's a co-founder of the Coalition for Gun Control. Wendy, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, Wendy, it is changed. It doesn't look like the way it came out. What do you make of where the Liberals' gun control legislation is right now? I think it's great. I mean, the the leg- we were very supportive of the first iteration of the legislation. Then they introduced some amendments to try to get a definition of uh, military-style semi-automatic firearms into the law. And they added a list of firearms that had not been included in the prohibited list from 2020. Um, They tried to put it in the legislation, which is not historically the way we've done these things in Canada. Historically, Mm -hmm. um, when a gun is prohibited, it's prohibited through an ordering council, a specific um, regulation. And so I think what happened was uh, it was viewed as overreaching and the opposition parties um, protested. And, you know, we would expect the Conservatives to uh, uh, fight stronger gun laws. But in this instance, the NDP and the Bloc also had concerns. And so they withdrew that list and they tweaked some of the language. But from our perspective, it's a massive step forward, and we'll we'll be watching committee to make sure that there are no um, there's no evidence of it being eroded. But we expect the Liberals to come forward with a list of additional prohibited firearms over the next few months. So, um, from our perspective, the the key thing is getting it through the legislature and then the Senate. Are you keen, Wendy, on what works and what doesn't work, too? Because that was part of it. And you so rightly laid out some of the other parties. It wasn't just conservative versus liberal. This is not just right versus left. We had members of the indigenous community up in arms, may I say, over this. Is there a nuance here that they've reached or did they overreach before, in your opinion? Well, I think, you know, and... and, uh, I testified before committee, and I was very clear that um, there is no right to bear arms in Canada, period. That's been made clear by the Supreme Court. The government has the right to prohibit any firearm not reasonably used for hunting, and they can do that. I think where um, there are rights, is when we look at Indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples do have a right to hunt. And I think the concern was that list, right, that was included in the legislation, uh, included some firearms that even if they they, uh, have the characteristics of a military-style semi-automatic firearm, 
The fact is, because of loopholes in the Canadian law, they've been sold as hunting rifles. So you have a lot of people who have them, um, including Indigenous people, and that simply has to be addressed. But um, I think that the uh, the approach that uh, they're taking makes perfectly good sense. And I think they themselves acknowledge that um, more consultation was required, and that's what they're doing. You know, the country is divided over this, and it is about what works. Often, well, daily, even in the last few days, we look to America, and we see how many guns there are. America is so heavily armed, there's more guns than there are people, and I'm sure you know that. Wendy, though, there was criticism over this on the handgun part of it, because it was, there's always been a sense, and I tell this story, when I first started as a reporter, in Toronto covering the city and city hall, there was the same same fear over guns and what they were doing and gangs and things that had just started here in Canada. And it was American guns. And how do you keep them out? So do you ban them here in Canada? How does that really affect the guns that are being used? Have we learned more now, Wendy? Well, again, um, what is included in this legislation is ban on the import, the sale, and the transfer. We've gone from about 300,000 handguns in the early uh, 2000s to over a million. And, and handguns are supposed to be restricted, which means they're only supposed to be acquired under very, very um, controlled circumstances. Clearly, that's not the case, and that's why we have you know, people in rural communities shooting people with with handguns. So um, it's absolutely true. What you say is absolutely true. If you're looking at gang violence in big cities, it's primarily guns that are smuggled into Canada. But look at the Danforth shooting. That wasn't a smuggled gun. That was a stolen um, handgun. Look at the Dawson College shooting. That wasn't a smuggled gun. That was a gun... Um, that was a target shooter. If you look at, um, there was a case a few years ago from one of the groups that, involving one of the groups that is most voraciously opposed to the handgun ban, where one of their members had a break-in. Forty handguns were stolen from his condo in downtown Toronto, and police took into um, their custody for safekeeping another hundred guns. So that was one target shooter with 140 handguns. I mean, that's as big a haul as we see with some of these um, cross-border trafficking efforts. So make no mistake about it, legally owned handguns are part of the problem. And at the end of the day, Canadians just said enough is enough. Like since uh, 1993, 70% of Canadians wanted a ban on handguns. A lot of gun owners who are hunters don't see the point of handguns. There are only about 200,000 Canadians who currently own handguns and semi-automatic military-style firearms. And those are not guns that are needed for hunting. Those are not guns that are part of, you know, Canadian traditions. And those are guns where the risk outweighs the utility. So I'm all for ensuring that uh, we respect Indigenous rights. I'm all for allowing hunters and people in rural communities who need guns for pest control to have access to firearms as long as they're regulated. But when it comes to target shooting 
and collecting. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I think people should get new hobbies. Uh, there you are. You've said it. And I'm sure there's people, I don't know if they're target shooting at the radio right now, Wendy, but there's people who feel very, very strongly about this. How much is what happens in America? How does it affect here? In I your think opinion? the problem with what happens in America is it lulls us into a sense of complacency. Look how bad the U.S. is. We're so good. I think we need to be setting our sights higher. I mean, last year in the U.K. had under 30, 30 gun murders. They have twice as many people as we do. They had 30 gun murders. And the rates of beating, stabbing, strangling, etc., are identical between the two countries. So limiting access to firearms makes a big difference in terms of public safety. Is that a valid criticism that that there was a kind of an igniting of this debate unnecessarily from the prime minister? You know, it's always hard, like, like from my point of view, um, what was in the legislation was consistent with what Canadians want. I think it's true that perhaps the way in which it was communicated was not as effective as it could have been, and it opened space for the gun lobby, and for, it, we can show you the evidence of that, um, riling up ordinary people and saying they're coming for your hunting rifles. And that was clearly not the intent. And certainly was also not the intent to go after uh, mm-hmm. Indigenous people's hunting rights. But I think the lack of clarity and just the complexity, like this stuff is so complex. You have legislation, you have regulations, you have orders in council, you have layers on layers on layers. And I'm sure there were lots of people going, well, is my gun legal not? not legal, what's going to happen. So um, I do think it could have been managed better, but I also think the gun lobby is is very active and vociferously opposes. All right. You know, when we open this up, it does, we know, you know that it's controversial, but as you say, Canadians are on board. When there is, and we've had an active year, maybe say, I don't know how to put it, and just tragedy in America. We often see our prime minister bring it up, bring it to here to Canada. But we know the Canadian situation is different. Is it fair when when the prime minister, sometimes he gets criticized for always jumping on what happens in America and relating it to Canada very quickly? Well, you know, it's, uh, for me, uh, one of the reasons I, I got involved in that is because, and half my family's in the state, is because Mm. I do not want to live my life in fear. And, you know, as you pointed out, there's many guns as people there. And we are seeing really disturbing, in my view, the fact that that the number of legally owned handguns has almost tripled in in the last couple of decades. And frankly, I have a different view of the circumstances the caller uh, described. There was the Mm -hmm killing of Colton Bushy. Yeah, he was messing around with the with the gun owner's truck, but in Canada that's not generally a, a reason to kill someone and the, the gun owner claimed it was an accident. And there was another case where two indigenous hunters were minding their own business, driving down the road and they were pursued and shot and killed. And in that instance uh, the killers were, in fact, prosecuted. But we got some real problems in this country with racism and hate. 
And people who are angry and have access to guns can do a lot of damage. How much do you think, I mean, you know, Canadians have always been, as I like to say, so chuffed with ourselves, and we really have been, Wendy, on this issue, in my opinion. We think we're kind of born different. We are different in America. That's where it happens. Not here in Canada. No, we think differently. We act differently. You've pointed out, and we've all seen it. It's not such the case. We saw someone in a van drive up Young Street in Toronto and mow people down. We've seen a, a slaughter on the Danforth. We've seen, look what's happened in the indigenous community and going on a, a spree. We All over Canada, we see it now. Are we, in your opinion, as you've been following this, are we going to become closer and more connected to gun control in this Canada, do you think? Well, you know, again, it's it's a matter of degree. So in the United States last year, there were about 20,000 gun murders. In Canada, there were under 300. Um, even if you correct for population, that's almost seven times uh, the rate per capita. But as I said, you know, I like to look at other countries like the UK. And if you look at Canada, the US, the UK, and Australia, we have the same rate of homicide in terms of murders that are uh, from beating, stabbings, et cetera, et cetera. The big difference is access to firearms. So I don't think we're morally superior. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we do have better social programs. You know, there are some things that, that help um, create a context in Canada, which is a bit different than in the U.S., but... Really, one of the biggest differences is the availability of firearms. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 